Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Shunstadt Way of Life podcast. I am your host, Julia Monin, author of the book, The World is Noisy, God Whispers. Today, I come with you, come to you with a very humble, little message. What I'm hoping is coming to all of us probably as a reminder, more so than new information, um, but this idea of being small and simple and really looking to Our Lady, not necessarily for admiration, although that's a part of it for sure, but more so for imitation. How do we imitate Our Lady? How do we become small, little children? How do we become humble before the Lord? And so before we begin with this theme, let's go ahead and put ourselves in the presence of God. Let's open with scripture. This is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 15 through 17. I'm so sorry. Luke chapter 18, Verses 15 through 17. It reads People were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. Jesus, however, called the children to himself and said, Let the children come to me and do not prevent them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen, I say to you, whoever does not accept the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. Let the children come to me and do not prevent them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen, I say to you, whoever does not accept the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. Like I already mentioned, this is probably coming and not as new information to you, but as a gentle reminder of of what this means in a particular way. What does this mean as we're living out our covenant of loves with the Blessed Virgin? When we look to her for imitation, when we look to become little Marys out in the world, which is really the heart of of making our covenant and and the essence of this movement uh, and what our our founder, Father Joseph Kentonick, really had in mind, that we go out into the world and be these little Marys, right? That we'd be bearing Christ and we'd be sharing Christ with others by becoming more and more like Our Lady, who did, in fact, bear him and bring him into this world. And so keeping him in mind, let's look to his words along the lines of this same theme. Father Kentonick says, When we acknowledge our smallness, God draws us into the very depth of his heart. It is wrong to become restless. Oh my, those words pack a punch. I'm going to read them again. When we acknowledge our smallness, God draws us into the very depth of his heart. It is wrong to become restless. Oh, my friends, how restless we have all become, especially in the midst of this turmoil, this, you know, just the craziness that is our world right now. How many of us are at least feeling the temptation to become restless, right? And I think what Father Kentonick is is kind of reminding us of here is our dependence on God that when we do become restless, when we become worried, when we become anxious, when we become fearful, it really should be an indicator, a sign to us that we've lost focus on who we are as God's children. Um, you know, that we've, we've 
put too much pressure perhaps on ourselves. We feel this need that we need to control things maybe that are completely out of our control. We've forgotten what it means to truly surrender and to allow our souls to be guided by their father, right? And to remind ourselves of this, again, an essence of the Shunstad and of the teachings in this movement of this practical belief in divine providence, right? The divine providence has all this figured out, even if we do not, and it's clear that we do not have it figured out. And so instead of becoming, um, you know, depressed or to beat ourselves up because, yeah, we do become restless, perhaps from now on the Lord will give us the grace to look at that when that happens just as an indicator, like as a warning light that goes off in our car, not to freak out about, but just to remind us, oops, it's time for me to change my oil again. Oops, it's time for me to remember who I am as God's child. It's it's time for me to remain small, remain humble, and to really embrace what that means. Remember what Jesus tells us in, in Luke 18, what we began the show with today. Let the children come to me and do not prevent them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen, I say to you, whoever does not accept the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. Okay, so sticking along this line of what does this truly mean to be a child, to be to be small, to be simple, to to find our or to acknowledge our small smallness as Father Kentonick says, to allow God to draw us into the depth of his heart. What does this mean to to live lives where we aren't becoming restless? Okay, I have more food for thought for you, something for you to ponder, something for you to think about. Of course, we're talking about this smallness, this littleness. If those of you that know me, if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you've gotten to know me pretty well, actually. No, I can't talk about this. I can't talk about this smallness, this littleness without talking about the doctrine that was given to us through St. Therese, the little flower, St. Therese of Lisieux, who gives us this, this little way, right? What does this truly mean to be a child? And of course, St. Therese knew that she wasn't great and that she would never be great in the eyes of the world. And yet she felt this longing within her that she was made for greatness. So she's struggling with that. She feels this longing that she's made for greatness, that she's meant to be great in the eyes of God, that she's meant even to be a great saint. And yet she's so little and so humble and so weak and even physically weak. She's very ill and can't can't do a whole lot. Um, she's a cloistered nun by the age of 15. She's not living out in the world. She desires to be a missionary, but can't leave leave her convent in France because she's so ill. And, and yet she's having this desire for greatness. And so she was really pondering with this. And it's, it's because of all of her pondering, because of her struggling, that the Lord reveals to us through her this idea of this little way, that it's not the size of our deeds that matter, but the size of the love with which we do them. This is where we get this, you know, this theme of, um, you know, it's not necessarily that we're doing great things, but we're doing these little things with great love. And so she offers us really some really great food for thought in a book that's published by ICS Publications called Her Last Conversations. And so as she was on her deathbed, by the way, she died at the age of 24. And as she lay there dying and, and suffering, she died a very painful physical in addition to spiritual suffering, a, a painful death. Um, but her her sisters that were gathered around her in her convent, I think in a way also sensed that there was something special about little Therese. And so as she laid there dying, they were recording um, because she was, Therese was too weak to write herself, but the sisters that were around her were recording some of the things that she was saying as she spent 
the last several months of her life passing from this life into the next. And so ICS Publications does a great job of um, capturing those for us in a book that they title Her Last Conversations. And I want to read to you from that book now. This is found on um, beginning on page 161, and it's going to continue to page 162. It's, It's a little lengthy, so bear with me as I read it to you, but it really brings us to a great point that I really want us to focus on this month in that what does it mean to actually imitate Our Lady? What does it mean to actually become a little Mary in this world? And here's St. Therese's perspective on that towards the end of her life. How I would have loved to be a priest in order to preach about the Blessed Virgin. One sermon would be sufficient to say everything I think about this subject. I'd first make people understand how little is known by us about her life, We shouldn't say unlikely things or things we don't know anything about. For example, that when she was very little at the age of three, the Blessed Virgin went up to the temple to offer herself to God, burning with sentiments of love and extraordinary fervor, while perhaps she went there very simply out of obedience to her parents. Again, why say, with reference to the aged Simeon's prophetic words, that the Blessed Virgin had the passion of Jesus constantly before her mind from that moment onward? And a sword will pierce through your soul also, the old man said. It wasn't for the present, you see, little mother. It was a general prediction for the future. For a sermon on the Blessed Virgin to please me and do me any good, I must see her real life, not her imagined life. I'm sure that her real life was very simple. They show her to us as unapproachable. But they should present her as imitable, bringing out her virtues, saying that she lived by faith, just like ourselves, giving proofs of this from the gospel where we read, and they did not understand the words which he spoke to them. And that other, no less mysterious statement, his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. This admiration presupposes a certain surprise, don't you think so, little mother? We know very well that the Blessed Virgin is Queen of Heaven and Earth, but she is more Mother than Queen, and we should not say, on account of her prerogatives, that she surpasses all saints in glory, just as the sun at its rising makes the stars disappear from sight. My God, how strange that would be! A mother who makes her children's glory vanish. I myself think just the contrary. I believe she'll increase the splendor of the elect very much. It's good to speak about her prerogatives, but we should not stop at this. And if in a sermon we are obliged from beginning to end to exclaim and say, ah, ah, we would grow tired. Who knows whether some soul would not reach the point of feeling a certain estrangement from a creature so superior and would not say, if things are such, it's better to go and shine as well as one is able to in some little corner. But the Blessed Virgin has more than we have is the privilege of not being able to sin. She was exempt from the stain of original sin, but on the other hand, she wasn't as fortunate as we are since she didn't have a blessed virgin to love. And this is one more sweetness for us and one less sweetness for her. It it continues in this book on um, a few pages after this, page 166, just another little note where Therese says, that it's good to speak of the Blessed Virgin's privileges, but it's necessary above all that we can imitate her. She prefers imitation to admiration, and her life was so simple. 
So do you see the point that Therese is trying to make? The preaching in her day, by the way, she lived in the late 1800s. It was like glorifying Mary on this degree that made her feel untouchable, unrelatable, right? All the preaching Therese was hearing was making it seem like Mary was so far above all the rest of us. And of course, Therese is is not saying that she's not, but Therese is mentioning that she's more mother than queen. And the emphasis in her day and her preaching was on her on her queenship, that she is this queen, this untouchable queen, shining so much brighter than the rest of us. And Therese is noticing that there's a danger in that. Because if that's all the preaching that we're hearing, then we will become fearful of approaching our mother. And so she's making this point. Admiration is good, and we should admire Our Lady. And she is above all of us, and she is without sin. However, we shouldn't admire her to such a degree that it it prohibits us from feeling like we can approach her as our mother, from feeling like we can and should imitate her. And this is the point I really want to drive home today on the podcast. When we're thinking about the words that Jesus gives us in the Gospel of Luke chapter 18, let the children come to me, do not prevent them. My kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen, I say to you, whoever does not accept the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. So thinking about his instructions there on becoming like a child and becoming childlike, thinking about our founder's words, Father Kentonick's words, when we acknowledge our smallness, God draws us into the very depth of his heart. It is wrong to become restless. Pondering those words, thinking about what this means to truly be small, to truly be a child, to depend fully on him so that we don't become restless because we aren't depending on ourselves. This is the problem. We become restless when we try to take on too much, when we depend too much on ourselves and not enough on God. And then looking at these words of St. Therese of Lisieux, St. Therese, the little flower, this idea of, of the importance of looking at Our Lady, yes, she is our queen, but looking at her more so and especially so as our mother, that we're never afraid to, pro- to approach her, that yes, we admire her, But more importantly, we imitate her and we are called to imitate her, to become a little Mary in this world. And so, so much food for thought for you today. This is one of those shows where I have more questions for you than I have answers. And all I'm I'm doing this month is really throwing all of this at you as, as the Holy Spirit has just thrown it all at me and encouraging you as I'm going to do myself these next few weeks as another month goes by as we prepare ourselves for another season of Lent, to really ponder what this means. What does this mean to be a child? What does this mean to be small? What does this mean to be simple? What does this mean to imitate Our Lady? Not necessarily admire her, although that's a part of it, but what does this mean to truly approach her, to imitate her, to live our everyday lives with faith as she did? So there's my question for you this month. How was and is Mary's life small and simple? How was Mary's life here on earth small and simple? And then how can we imitate that? How can we imitate her? 
Okay, again, more questions and answers. Let's all take that to prayer. Let's all ponder that in the depths of our heart. Again, there's one way we can imitate Our Lady, right? We read in scripture about her so much that she took all these things and she pondered them in her heart. And that's, I think, Teresa's point. When we look to scripture like that, we can say she was she's so human, just like us, right? And and she's and she's thinking about these things. They're not quite clear in her mind, like sometimes we make the mistake of making her out to be. And so she too needed to ponder these things, like I'm encouraging you to do as well, to ponder all of this. And by the way, wasn't that note about that Therese had in there on that one page about how, yes, Our Lady was without sin, but we have it better than she does. Why? Because we have her, you know, we have the Blessed Mother and she doesn't have herself, of course, in the way that we have her as a mother. I I love that point of her um, that that Therese was making there. Okay, so lots to think about, lots to pray about. Um, Please know as we go through another month um, living out uh, the covenant, uh, our covenant of love to, to the best of our abilities, and yet in the humblest and most smallest of ways, right? Know that we're, um, I'm keeping you in my prayers and I humbly ask that you keep me in yours as well. And if you have any thoughts or questions or feedback, you want to stay connected with me, please go to my website, theworldisnoisy.com and you can learn more about me and you can reach out to me. Um, you can also follow me on Facebook at Julia Monin Author. I'd love to hear from you. And so many of you have already reached out and it's always a joy hearing from you. Um, so please continue to do so. And now as we close this show for this month, let's go ahead and close in our prayer of childlike trust. Seems most fitting, does it not? (laughs) In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We believe, O Mother, in your great might, though you be hidden as in darkest night. We believe in your victorious strength, though our desires may find no recompense. We love you, Mother, who so tenderly love each and all of us unceasingly, We love you, too, when you do not bestow your endless riches on us here below. Yet, in your mercy and benevolence, increase our faith and childlike confidence. Oh, let us always see your loving care, that, strong in faith, we do not fear to dare, but face the future sure of victory, looking to you for guidance trustfully. Our love will free us from all earthly ties that, eager and prepared for sacrifice, we offer life and love and loyalty, serving you now and in eternity. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.